This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture that was read came from the gospel according to Luke, the second chapter, and the reading was from the 41st to the 52nd verse. But allow me, if you will, to just lift up the 49th verse. The 49th verse says, He, meaning Jesus, said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Amen? We've come to the close of another year, standing now on the edge of what was and the what will be. The what was 2021, and it was a year filled with uncertainty that began with an insurrection, supply chain shortages, and price increases, the resurgence of COVID-19 and its variants, as well as the loss of many lives. Mm -hmm. 2021 was indeed a year filled with so much uncertainty that we almost thought it couldn't get much worse after 2020 when we were standing on the edge of 2021. But it did seem to get worse, not only with an increase in COVID deaths, but an apparent increase in division and hate as well. So now we are standing on the edge of the what was 2021 and the what will be 2022. Yet despite the pessimism amidst all the division and hate, the thing that is most disturbing to me is that somehow we seem, all of us, many of us, most of us, to be lost. We seem to have lost our minds, our will, even our sense of self, such that we can no longer discern right from wrong or even the ability to tell what is the truth from what is a lie. Well. Lost. We've lost our sense of direction. Mm. But, but in the midst of it all, in the midst of all this loss, the real tragedy is that like Mary and Joseph, we as the church have even lost Jesus. Effectively, as the church, ceding our moral authority and responsibility to a vain and corrupt world. But, as we stand on the edge of the what was 2021 and looking towards the what will be 2022, I have great confidence that our best days are yet ahead of us. And to that point, I want to show you that we still have hope. Because even if we lose Jesus, we know where he is to be found. He can be found in what I have chosen to title this watch night message. Quite simply, my father's house. My father's house. And with the subtitle, come home. Come home. Let us pray. Father, we have now come to the preaching hour at this watch night worship service. 
Spirit of the living God, you have heard our prayers. We invited you in. We've prayed for the saints. We've offered you our worship and song. We have offered unto you, Lord, our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to a holy God. Now, Father, speak to your children, for we have drawn to your table one more time. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. And the church said amen, 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 amen. and amen. The most basic community in the Bible was the family or the household. This basic structure was designed by God and it offers to all of us the most effective and efficient way to be able to distribute power and resources throughout any given society. If you want to get something going in any society, the best way, the fastest way to get it going is through the family, or the household. Mm -hmm. This happens by virtue of the interconnectedness that is brought about by shared needs and the close proximity that we share with each other. Technically speaking, you're under the same roof. The household allows for the transmission of resources very quickly throughout any community as long as that community chooses and decides to participate in that society. The household acts as a base of support and safety for everyone in the family. And don't miss that, for safety for everyone within the family and the community and the greater society. If there's a problem, church, in the society, look at the community. If there's a problem in the community, look at the family. Yeah. Now, each household or each family is typically headed by a father. But I want you to know today that the term father might not be properly understood by many of us who are listening even to me right now. I know you all have your ideas of what a father is and what a father does, but you need to understand that in the context of ancient Israel, and especially when Jesus said to his mother, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? He might not be talking about father the way you and I understand it. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk for a few minutes about the social world of ancient Israel. Now, y'all got to stay with me because we're going to learn something tonight. The problem with the church is that we do a lot of hooping and hollering and not saying a whole lot. You got to understand that we need to learn some things about what God wants us to understand about his ways. For his ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. And so... To understand the text, let's look at some pretexts. Mm -hmm. Like many traditional societies in the ancient world, the Bible describes Israel's, get this, political system as kinship. Simply put, kinship, a kinship relationship is really about your blood relatives, which the Bible preserves in genealogies. Yeah. <laughs> you see, in addition to blood relationships, you got to understand that the Bible, when it says to us, gives us all this genealogy, it's actually telling us a lot about blood ties, but it's actually telling us a little more. You see, in addition to blood relationships, genealogies also describe economic relationships, social status, financial worth and power, which a household that is headed by the father can exercise in the community as a whole. 
So when we hear the Bible say things like the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not simply affirming kinship, but it's also expressing a governing relationship. So what I'm saying, church, is a way to understand the term father, the way the Bible uses it, is the same way you need to understand governor like a state. The governor in a state technically is operating like a father. Now, akin to the kinship is what we call a covenant relationship, which, by the way, the covenant has greater significance. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> in fact, there is no real power distribution between kin meaning blood relatives like sisters and brothers, that wouldn't have to be ratified or even made legal without there being some kind of covenant established. Mm. So while we often say blood is thicker than water, no blood relationship is valid unless there is a covenant relationship. Mm. But, but, but the interaction between kinship and covenant creates differences in the meanings of terms like father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, or nephew in the Bible. In the Bible, these designations are often more legal than they are biological. These terms identify a variety of people well outside your blood relatives. Now, let me stop here for a moment because y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. If you're coming from the South or even from the Caribbean where I'm from, you know everybody is uncle. We ain't uncle by no blood, but your uncle or your auntie. That's our, what I'm trying to establish to you is that the relationship takes precedence over the blood. So the father of a household is not just someone who's sired, but is someone who fed as well as protected. Amen. Son, slave, brother in the Bible are technical terms for covenant partners. In other words, people related to each other, not necessarily by blood, but always by covenant. Well. This is why when Jesus' parents were looking for him and they found him, they were shocked. Look at what the text says in verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But watch the text. But they did not understand what he said to them. Mary expressed to Jesus her sense that Jesus was betraying his calling as Joseph's son. But Jesus was also genuinely surprised and no doubt grieved that his parents were experiencing some kind of distress. He thought that they would have realized that if he was not with them in Joseph's house, so to speak, that he would be in the temple in the house of God, his father. Yeah. It was a matter of whose house he was in. Yeah whether Joseph's house or God's house. And I can even ask the question to you even right now, whose house are you in? Because very many of us think we're in God's house, but we're really in the brothel. I'm just saying. But Jesus had not betrayed his sonship. In fact, he had no intention of dishonoring either the sonship of his father Joseph or his father God. To be clear, the reason why they did not understand him was simply because, as I've shared with you already, they were talking to Jesus from the perspective of kinship. 
And he was talking to them from the perspective of covenant. Both Jesus and his parents were using the term father in two different ways. Listen, church. Jesus has no special comfort for anyone, including Mary, who claim a close kinship with him. Mary and Joseph must learn sooner or later to live with the fact that Jesus is really a stranger and a guest in Joseph's house. At 12 years old, Jesus was becoming aware of his purpose, and he knew that he needed to be in his father's house. But having understood this, the real issue that I want to raise in this message is not so much the misunderstanding of the term father, but the fact that they had lost Jesus and they did not know where to find him. So I want to offer to you three thoughts tonight about this text, about losing Jesus as we stand on the edge of what was 2021 and what will be 2022. But it was important to first understand what father meant. The first thought is this. If you have lost Jesus, How long will it take for you to miss him? If you have lost Jesus, how long will it take for you to miss him? Our text tells us that every year Mary and Joseph would go to Jerusalem for a festival to celebrate the Passover. So this was a common practice for the family. And this would be the 12th time that Jesus would be doing this. Now, as it turns out, they had left the festival, and after traveling for one whole day, they realized that Jesus was not with them. Let's sit here for a moment, church. Why did it take a whole day for them to realize that the boy was missing? I'm curious, because I can't imagine that they would have a child go a whole day without food or even the use of the restroom. So why did it take so long? We can't even drive a whole day down to Alabama without stopping three or four times to use the restroom. There's no way I would know where Nadia is. But had he been kidnapped? As a parent, I can tell you that there is no greater sinking feeling in the stomach than to have a missing child. We're in an age of human trafficking and there are very wicked and evil people in the world that is causing unimaginable grief to families all over the world with their kidnappings. To be quite frank, I pray that those traffickers get what's coming to them. And I'm a preacher. I hope they get what's coming to them. And it starts with the conviction of Ghislaine Maxwell. You know what I'm talking about. I just had to say that. I just had to say that. But my point is, it should not have taken them so long to realize that the child was not with them. Were Mary and Joseph that careless and cavalier with so precious a possession? After all, we are talking about Jesus. But before we get too hard on Joseph and Mary, what about you? How long does it take for you to know that the presence of God has left you? How long does it take for you to miss the unction of the Holy Spirit when you're operating, leaning on your own understanding? How long does it take you to feel alone? The Holy Spirit will never stay where the Holy Spirit is not welcome. And the things that drive away God's spirits are our envies, our petty jealousies, gossiping tendencies, strife, lies, grumblings, sarcasms, criticisms, cynicisms, but most of all, sin. 
It is sin and disobedience that cause us to lose the spirit of God. And far too often, we are so caught up in our sin that it takes much more than five days before we realize that God's presence is gone. If you realize that you're having a hard time finding peace in your life, then I'm suggesting to you that you too might have lost Jesus. Not to say that Jesus is gone, but to make the point that you are the one that left him and that you are the one that is really lost. So tonight, on this edge of 2022, if you are struggling to find peace or a sense of calmness and stability in your life, stop looking for that peace to return from the bottom of a bottle or some addiction. In fact, I think all of 2021 has been more than enough time for you to realize that you are missing Jesus. So do not enter 2022 without finding him. So the first thought was, if you've lost Jesus, how long will it take you to miss him? Now the second thought. If you have lost Jesus, will you know where to look for him? If you've lost Jesus, will you know where to look for him? Now, now the text tells us that when Joseph and Mary turned to Jerusalem to search for him, it took another three days before they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Now let's sit here for another moment. After they realized that Jesus was missing, he was not found until after five days. One day's journey was when they left him. One day to come back to Jerusalem. And then another three days searching for him. Where did they sleep? And where did Jesus sleep for those five days? I'm just curious. Furthermore, where, where were they looking for him? Were they looking for him at the inn where we know there was no room? Was it at the manger because they might have felt he was a little nostalgic? Was it at West Jerusalem on a playground where some spend most of their days? Or was it at the well with a woman in case she needed a drink of water? My point is it should not have been hard to figure out where Jesus would be such that it would take all of five days to find him. Amen. Often the reason why we cannot find what or who we are looking for is because we don't know where to look and we end up looking in the wrong place. But we're talking about Jesus. The same Jesus that caused the baby in Elizabeth's womb to leap when Mary came near. The same Jesus that wise men from the east found because they followed a star. The same Jesus that shepherds who, while watching their flocks by night, were told to look for a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. The same Jesus that Simeon laid eyes upon before he would be called home to glory. And the same Jesus that the prophetess Anna gave thanks to God for and spoke about to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So with all these people who knew where to find Jesus... How is it that it took Mary and Joseph five days to find him when we know what we know to be true, that he is the light of the world, yeah. a city on a hill that cannot be hid? <laughs> so, so in a similar manner, I pose the same question to you tonight, church. If you are looking for Jesus, do you know where to find him? 
And are you having trouble finding him because you expect him to be in your pity party? You expect him to be at your beck and call. You expect him to come looking for you. You expect him to be in your heart where you haven't invited him. Well. Or, or have you stopped looking for him altogether and no longer have any expectations of him? Mm. Whatever your reason, church, I want you to know on this edge of 2022, if you are struggling with finding where Jesus may be, Jesus is where he always was and always will be, and that is in my Father's house. Furthermore, I think that 2021 has been more than enough time to be looking in the wrong place for Jesus. But do not despair. Jesus is here in this temple called Allen. For, for this church is my Father's house. And you should not enter 2022 without him. Finally, finally, the third thought is, third and final thought, if you have lost Jesus, what will you do when you find him? The text says in verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. The bizarre thing about this text is that when his parents found him, they seemed to be less concerned about his welfare and more concerned about themselves. They immediately blamed him for being missing and made no qualms about expressing how he made them feel. Tell me, church, when you have lost Jesus, is it his fault? When the spirit has left you, is it the spirit's fault? I'm just asking because we have this tendency to think that when things in our lives have not gone the way that we expected them to, then the fault lies with someone else and not with ourselves. Jesus is 12 years old. He is a child. Whether or not you think he is God at this stage in his life, he is under the care, guidance, and stewardship of Mary and Joseph. It is their responsibility to know where he is at all times. I do not believe for one minute that Jesus had all spiritual knowledge the moment when he was born. Or that he got all spiritual knowledge and powerful revelation about all spiritual truth when he got baptized by John. Jesus was learning. Listen to the text. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was learning. He was young. He was curious. He was inquisitive. He was yearning for knowledge and the things of God. Jesus was a student, which is why the text says they were amazed at his understanding. And not only that, that verse 52 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine 
and human favor. The sad commentary here is that some of our young people think they know so much because they attend Google University <laughs> that you really can't teach them anything anymore. If Jesus was humble enough to learn, how much more should they? So here's my point. Jesus was doing what any natural 12-year-old would do when their imaginations and their curiosities have been stirred. They become intrigued and they set out on a quest to gain knowledge. Jesus did not lose his parents. Jesus found his father. Jesus did not lose his parents. Jesus found his father. What is your response when your children have found their calling in life and it's not what you expected or wanted for them? Are you going to find fault? Or are you going to see that they have to leave your house for their father's house? So the three thoughts I had as we stand here on the edge of 2022. Number one, if you've lost Jesus, how long will it take for you to miss him? Secondly, if you've lost Jesus, where will you look for him? And third, if you've lost Jesus, what will you do when you find him? These are three sobering questions that I have for every single person who's in the sanctuary and who's watching online. These three questions have one very important thing in common, and that is they all deal with the issue of being lost. To be lost is to be in a state of flux, confusion, disorientation, discombobulation, uncertainty, and obscurity. In a word, to be lost is to feel unsafe. And whenever we feel unsafe, it is because we are nowhere near our center of gravity or focus. It is why David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's it. Yeah. That's a perfect description of what Jesus was doing in the temple. That to behold the beauty of my father and to inquire in his temple. Jesus wanted to be in his father's house. Jesus wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. To be in an intimate relationship with his father. To glorify him. To enjoy him. Inquiring of him. Jesus wanted to feel safe. And that safety was only to be found in my father's house. In fact, the confession of Psalm 84 says, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Jesus spent not just one, but five days in God's courts finding safety in his father's house. So, as we reflect on 2021, and all the losses that came with it. Church, did you ever feel safe in 2021? And as we reflect on 2022, do you think you will feel safe? If the answer to either of those questions is no, then tonight I implore you, come home. Come home. 
come home to safety. For as much as you try, you will never be able to find the peace you seek, not knowing what you have lost, where you have lost it, or even what you will do, even if you find it. True victory can only be found in the peace that Jesus gives. And the only place to find him is in my Father's house. Please, come home. Come home. Come home. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.